Hello and welcome to The Back Page, a video games podcast. I'm Samuel Roberts and I'm joined today by Matthew Castle. Hello. Matthew, we are taking a short break from doing very chunky episodes. So, this oh, week... Phew. Yeah. So, our listeners will uh, will know that we've done Best Zelda Games and Best Games of 2009 back-to-back. Very long episodes and, um, you know, took quite a lot of effort to put into. So, we need to blow off a little bit of steam this week. I hope you won't mind us doing a shorter episode. Um, those two have proven very popular, so thank you for your response to them. Particularly the Zelda episode, Matthew. I think you were a bit blown away by the nice words you yeah, got. Yeah, it was... Well, I thought I was going to get, like, sort of hung, drawn and quartered for for being a bit down on Link to the Past. So actually having people be, like, you know, open to, you know, the suggestions or, or the rankings was, yeah, a pleasant surprise. Yeah, people were very sort of cheerful. So a quick note on my on my audio while we record this. You may hear the occasional um, happy child, um, God forbid, in the background or, like, <laughs> loud bird or something like that because it's 31 degrees in the UK where we're recording this at the moment and um i basically have to open my windows or i'll die so (laughs) those are kind of like the dogs die in hot cars (laughs) yeah so um, that's why if um the audio is not as good as it normally is normally i have all my windows shut and then we just you know i try and turn my sort of my weird flat into a recording studio but today i don't know just treat it like you know when they do like t4 on the beach you know it's like a road show just think of me as like (laughs) fat boy slim or something i don't know um I'm really, I'm really, really into that that sort of metaphor. Do you think that's something we'll ever do in real life, Matthew? Is uh, go take um, the back page to the beach? We'll be like, "Hello, Western uh, Supermare." I don't know. I'm not really a creature of the sun, you know. <laughs> I I like to stay indoors. I'm quite a shadowy boy. Um, do you like the sun? Do you do you go out much? Do you do you enjoy basking in the sun? Not at all. No, not this sun. I mean, I, I for, <laughs> this is sounds really bleak, but for people who have children. What do they think about when they're our age and they have to endure whatever the future temperatures of the sun are? Like, uh, that must weigh mm. on your mind a little bit. It's 31 degrees now, but will it be like 40 degrees in a few years? Like, if it was five degrees hotter than this, I might die. I might be one of the statistics on, like, the local <laughs> news. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a bleak note there to kick us off. Um, Hooray! <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so if the audio sounds a bit compromised, that's why. I hope you'll forgive it. Next week we'll be back to normal. This is just while this um, ludicrous heat wave passes. So, mm. Matthew... Oh man, we can just uh, cut loose, take a little break, talk about some gaming handhelds. So, um, yeah, how are you feeling about uh, discussing that side of things? Yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to it. I've actually been doing like a lot of handheld gaming recently. Um, like, I, I play my Switch mostly handheld these days, and I've also been playing an awful lot of 3DS. Um, just because, well, I kind of felt a bit nostalgic after our 3DS episode that we did all those months ago. Kind of reminded me of some stuff to play. I've also been on a, a like a huge Ace Attorney bender, so it's been handheld all the way. Yeah, so I um, have had a similar thing. We're obviously on uh, Games Court, as people might remember. I've been hoarding a load of DS and 3DS games. Yeah, partly motivated by that episode as well. We've got a Games Court retrial episode coming up actually that people can look forward to where. Um, I have more of my ludicrous purchases to discuss. But um, yeah, I've currently got, I think, five handhelds next to my bed. Um, wow. Yeah, Are so they stacked up on top of each other? No, they're all kind of like placed like a jigsaw onto um, like a small dining table that belonged to my ex-girlfriend's mum that I never gave back. <laughs> um, <laughs> and nice. it's next, that's my bedside table. It's a bit... Um, and a bit of a student in my flat, um, arguably. But um, yeah, at least I have a couch these days. But yes, so 
I've got like there's something I will just refer to as the Anbernic naughty device. People who have one of these things will know what they do. I won't talk about it. It's not a sex thing, just to be clear. Um, <laughs> Wait, when you said that, I was like, "What are you talking about?" That sounds <laughs> well rude. <laughs> yeah, it only plays raunchy um, Japanese visual novels and nothing else. <laughs> so yeah, there's um, there's that. I've got the 3DS, the PS Vita. Yes, the Switch as well. Is there another one? Maybe it's just four. That's still quite a lot, though, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, so I've um, I've been digging it a little bit. And obviously, in recent times, quite a lot's been happening with handheld gaming, which is why we wanted to make that the subject of this shorter episode. So mm. at the time we're recording this, people will be very aware of the Steam Deck, which is um, Steam's first move into a handheld kind of hardware offering, basically. You can put your name down for a pre-order now. You can't actually pre-order it, but you can basically um, put... You, put some money down to be open to pre-order it when there's enough stock to basically take your your order four basically, pounds yeah. is a really odd amount isn't it the spend <laughs> that they're asking for this is something about that number where it doesn't really feel like real or big enough to justify a deposit it's something off about it i couldn't put my finger on it i was it, like yeah it's like if they refund it i guess it's enough money to buy like a very minor city skyline dlc or something like that <laughs> right yeah maybe yeah maybe that's it Just yeah. odd. i wonder who came up with that number <laughs> so yeah the steam deck is a thing that's happening um towards the end of this year i think that people were i don't know if people were expecting this really matthew did you get a sense that this was sort of in the water no there was a rumor a few months ago about a kind of a steam kind of switchy device but it was pretty vague. I mean, I would say, ironically, that the, the rumour was a lot more vague than the rumours we were getting about about the Switch Pro and in a kind of reverse of each other. You know, this ended up being a lot more substantial than what was rumoured for the Switch Pro, uh, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I mean, I, I talked about this on on the, the one of the pods I do with uh, Rock, Paper, Shotgun, and I was quite dismissive of it because I couldn't really picture, like, what on earth they'd build that could sort of satisfy PC gamers kind of across the board, you know, whether, you know, they'd make, like, some weird, like, indie-specific device with, like, specs in mind, because I couldn't really see a way of cramming a PC, you know, a substantial, you know, PC into into a handheld that wouldn't totally break the bank. So, yeah, I kind of, a little bit of egg on my face with the Steam Deck reveal. Plus the uh, literal egg on your face from the sandwich you ate earlier. Yeah, well, that's right. Scrambled egg with bagels. <laughs> that was a that was a low blow. I apologise. Oh no, no, it's quite true. <laughs> so yeah, this gets announced, and um, it's uh, just to kind of dive into it a little bit. The specs of it seem to be basically like a low to mid range laptop. Is what my um, mm. understanding of it is from reading a PC gamer analysis of this. Uh, I won't pretend to be an expert in PC gaming hardware. I worked <laughs> obviously I worked on PC gamer for a long time, but I still like I can kind of tell you what the different processors and graphics cards do, and what the difference is between an NVMe SSD and um, a SATA SSD. But I can't mm. tell you I can't tell you much more than that. So that's because you yeah. spent your whole time giving your hardware stuff wedgies. <laughs> That's, uh, you should have listened instead. <laughs> the kind of ballpark thing they compared it to was a PC that could run like Shadow of the Tomb Raider at low settings at 35 frames per second, which when you hear that doesn't sound that impressive. And mm. the article sort of like said you can't quite compare it apples to apples like um, PS4 and Xbox One, but it seems like it's similarly powered or something like that. Like it's in that kind of range. So um, I, I, I thought the read on it was 
that that is its power but because it's like a 720 output on that particular screen it will probably be fine for what that is Mm. Yeah, the only problem will come if you try and because you obviously can plug it in and use it like a PC. If people are basically, yeah. people are basically expecting that this is like a top end PC packed into a handheld. It's not. That. Yeah, it's it's not. I that that was uh, that was that was a bit of the sales pitch that I had the most issue with in terms of like it's not just a handheld. It's also a desktop PC, and it's like it's also an incredibly underpowered desktop PC. But fine, whatever. The Twitter reaction instantly was people didn't like the form factor, but then that seemed to sort of change over time. I, I'm of the opinion that unless I've got it in my hands, I don't know what it feels like, and Pete, there's a lot of armchair expertise that goes with this stuff, and yeah. I I honestly it, have it, no idea, you know. Yeah, I. the only thing is it, it gives me, like, major Wii U controller flashbacks. <laughs> like, the, the back of it, just that mass of plastic, that expanse of plastic, and the kind of the way it curves around with the triggers on the back... It just, it's got a big, big Wii U energy, which, you know, it, it's a console I'm fond of for many reasons, but it is also packed away in our house, and I know it upsets some of our listeners to hear that, but it, I have kind of moved on from Wii U. So, <laughs> but I mean, you know, I don't think you go to Valve for like beautiful form factor, particularly. No, at the advice of your therapist, Matthew, you've moved away from Wii U, and um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, Matthew, I following Twitter, you seem to pre-order one of these, or at least you know put your four pounds down, and so did I. So, what was your sort of thought process there? Why did it like enchant you ultimately? The simple fact of it is, is in this in biz, I feel like I have to kind of be on top of this stuff. I mean, it's it's a bit of a like automatic response to new hardware which may sound very like indulgent to some listeners i hope it doesn't but like you know i I tend to buy into stuff you know i think of it from a freelance perspective so i'm thinking quite practically in terms of i should probably have this to have an to have an opinion on it um but also like you know the appeal of this games library that i already have and being able to play it away from my pc you know that 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 does hold a lot of appeal for me you know I've, I've been trying to get into like um sort of visual novel stuff recently or at least get my head around more visual novel stuff and you know i've amassed this sort of library of games which i kind of hate playing playing on my pc like i, I just don't think they they work very well on a on a desktop they're very unsatisfying even things like ace attorney like just it's just not really the same game you know unless you're sitting in bed playing on a handheld or whatever sitting on a train so yeah that 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 part of it definitely appeals to me is i think oh i've got a lot of stuff that i can untether from the screen and so i'm big into that um but, but more than anything it's uh you know i'm a trendsetter i've got to, i've got to be be up with the latest things mm. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair enough. I put my money down basically because I thought, well, I only have to actually like put the money down. I don't have to buy it when my chance comes up. So if I talk myself right. out of it, when my, my I'm basically down to get it in Q2 next year, which seems so long away. So by that point, I may well have talked myself out of it and we'll have lots of reviews in the world about how good this thing is or, or not. And um, yeah. I'm going to make an informed choice. I mean, props to Valve as well. They did the pre-order process in a way that like Sony and Microsoft haven't done anything nearly this elegant. It's been like a total mess of retailers who like, you know, obviously have sold yeah. en masse to scalpers, which really sucks. And Valve have done it so like you need a Steam account of a few months to to do this. 
Yeah, that's that's really good actually. I think that the kind of the the new king that market is is brilliant. I, I thought the actual announcement of the machine was quite rough in terms of like giving it to an outlet seems a bit odd for the kind of you know the kind of pitch here or the scale of this thing or trying to think of it as like a big game changer. The idea that it kind of gets revealed like as like a sort of IGN exclusive. I don't know. That's a bit weird. Like it doesn't really feel like an event to me. It feels like a, a you know, oh, here's just something that happened on a day, rather than you know, I'm not saying they have to do a big, you know, Apple or Stadia type conference for this thing, but it, it sort of, for what it is on paper, it feels like it could have made a, a much bigger song and dance about it. It's very Valve to just be like, oh, here it is. Here's the thing. Go buy it. Bye. And um, yeah, and yeah. The, yeah. If, 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 as listeners of this podcast will know, like I'm drawn to the sort of the the the, the showmanship <laughs> and the theatre and drama of the games industry. So it's kind of runs a bit counter to that. Um, there's just something uh, very like functional about Valve as as a company, which doesn't really speak to me. I, I find them quite a hard company to love for that reason. You know, there's there's not a lot of character to them, um, but that is probably what a lot of people love about them too. Is that there isn't a lot of nonsense. It's just it's like total function over form, and that also extends to the design of the hardware, I guess. Yeah, I don't really go in for any of the sort of like Gabe and memes or whatever. Oh, I mean, it's... I like that people are calling it the Gabe Gear. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. Yeah, I like that. That's a great nickname. Yeah, that's good. Well done. Twitter is good for something. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. I appreciate like what it's trying to do in terms of, like you say, all of the different games you've got on Steam already. You can just play on there. Some will probably work better than others. It has those little trackpad things. Very curious to see how they work. I think the trackpad on the. Um, Steam controller, which is a very old piece of uh, a peripheral at this point, is actually pretty good for what it is. I played Max Payne two with it; I thought it worked quite well. So I actually think that Valve will probably do quite a good job with making those um, making those work. So yeah, yeah. And um, the visual novels thing is not something I considered, but I do own all the Dank and Romper games on Steam, and I don't really want to buy them again on Switch yeah. if I can avoid it. Like the, the 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 whole thing that we talk about with like Vita, where it had this kind of big indie scene, and a lot of people treated it as their indie machine, which has now kind of been that torch has been passed to Switch, or it sort of feels that way. I think speaks to how people want to kind of consume these smaller games that, you know, I'm not underplaying the importance of PC to indie gaming. I know that's where indie gaming is born because it's a more open platform. But the nature of some of these experiences and and the kind of the the size of them and the tone of them, I think they feel a lot more kind of console friendly or they're not necessarily things like I don't have to, you know, power up my PC and sit at my desk to play like a weird little one hour thing. That isn't really how I kind of treat my PC. That isn't my relationship with it. So the ability to take all that stuff and play it in a handheld, you know, it has already been a a proven good way to kind of consume those games in Vita and Switch. So it it makes a lot of sense for me. And the flip side of that is that the big experiences I do want on my PC, I don't particularly want on a handheld, Um, which is the kind of, you know, I, I don't know how you sort of feel about that. Side yeah, yeah, I think I agree with you. Like, I don't, I never really played Stardew Valley on on my PC, but I did buy it on. I've only played a bit of it on Switch, but I did actually, you know, as soon as I knew there was a Switch version, it was like, well, I have to play on there instead because, yeah, the, the, like you say, the experience suits the format. And um, yeah, whereas you know, I do use my PC for like playing Apex Legends or Assassin's Creed or you know, big sexy stuff, basically. So yeah, yeah I can kind of say I I don't necessarily think it all 
fill that gap. And I thought it was interesting for them to lead with like um, quite well. They had a, they had a big mix of games to be fair, but they did also have Control as like one of the the games on the mm. home screen of it, and also Jedi Fallen Order as well. And those are quite graphics intensive games, so it's quite a curious choice to go with those. I guess like they mm. wouldn't have done it unless they feel pretty confident about their performance on there. But yeah, still, I, again, like you say, I, I don't see those being the games that's the best fit for necessarily. But, no, it's yeah, it's, it's it's just not what what I necessarily want. I you know, I just I, I think people have made this this mistake before, and I think this is one of the the flaws of like Vita, and well, one of the general flaws I'd say of sony's handhelds is that in their first party stuff i think they've they've tried to sort of stick to like uh like the bigger kind of console experiences that's probably more true of vita you know i always felt like with things like the uncharted game on vita it it was them trying to say like well uh, what differentiates our handheld is that it can it can give you the kind of experience that you can only get on playstation 3 or playstation 4 whatever and that you know where I think Nintendo understand you don't necessarily want those experiences or you want different experiences on handheld and certain games, certain genres fit that style of play better. So this blanket, the, the appeal of being able to play a control, say, I, I don't really get. I mean, there are there are exceptions to that. Like there, there are some sort of, you know, quote-unquote AAA things which I would quite happily like chip away at you know like Baldur's Gate 3 for example I can see those kind of classic RPG kind of games being quite nice on a handheld especially when you've got like hundreds of hours and you just want to be able to play a little bit in bed or whatever that that works for me but um this this idea that you know finally a, a handheld that can do justice to these big big screen experiences has never really sat right with me in some ways i think this is probably most exciting to uh like the emulation scene and right <laughs> because I, I i think power wise this should have no problem playing ps2 games for example on um the pcx pcsx2 emulator right and right. Um, i don't think valve is going to stand in anyone's way because it gets treated like a pc even though i think it uses valve's own operating system doesn't it mm. um i don't know much about that stuff so um i, I think you can like basically uninstall everything and install your own stuff on it though so yeah i think you can like wipe it it's it's that open yeah it's functionally a pc basically yeah yeah um so yeah yeah i I was curious matthew do you think this will open up pc gaming to more people who wouldn't have um ordinarily tried it because i feel like this is the reason it exists to a large extent valve must be thinking what is critical mass with steam user base obviously they've got a huge audience and it does keep growing but they must be thinking how do we extend beyond that to people who are more in that console space? Do you think the Steam Deck will succeed in branching that out a little bit? Yeah, potentially. I, th- I think it, it, it still has some like like rough edges to remove. You know, I, I th- you know the big appeal of console and traditional handheld gaming has always been the like it just works. And you know, admittedly, it looks like they're kind of you know they're kind of putting a bit of a console skin on this you know and they have done this with steam already with like big picture mode or whatever i imagine they'll have their equivalent of that for like handheld mode so for all intents and purposes it might look and function more like a simpler console but it's it's still things like you know if games are optimized do you have to go into the options and meddle with that kind of crap like that that for me is still like a big hurdle between like pc gaming and console games people don't really want to faff people want everything optimized for them you know the optimization question hangs over steam deck 
you know, the entire project, I'd say, of like, are people going to go back and make sure their things are playing nice, you know, are as accessible as they need to be. I've seen lots of people bringing up things like font sizes. You'd probably need to rework for that screen, for example. Um, so, you know, there, there's that side of things. It's like, can can they can they take off the rough edges that remove that remain because there there are still too many but i i don't i, I still think this is going to be more like it's just another toy for people who already have a pc and have a big steam library i just see it as like a another string to their bow rather than a a big gateway drug but i don't know how, how do you sort of see it well I, it did seem to generate enormous interest like i think at one point someone said that in north america there were fifty nine thousand people at once trying to like get through and and, and pre-order one that is Ooh. like massive amount of interest like you say though it's hard to tell these are people who are on steam and have steam accounts because you have yeah. to have a steam account in order to pre-order the thing so that itself is like a step people have to take you can't just go on the curry's website and pre-order this for example so I think that the ethos of it is actually quite spot on because I think it breaks down a lot of what people see as the quote-unquote faff of PC gaming. Even yeah. though I actually don't think faff is is the problem. I think it's the expense. The expense is like enormous to get a good gaming PC. I bought one a few mm. years ago with you know a bonus I had because that was the only time I could ever like afford a PC outright. Is I got a bonus and I just thought, well, I'm going to buy a PC right now, and it was the best one I could get for the time. So I, I would have been, I would have just been like, let's put it all on a JC's kitchen gold card. <laughs> Oh right! I've said this, the the volume of JC's kitchen content on the Matthew Castle uh, Twitter feed is um, out of control. It's because <laughs> it's like the new Rennie for you, I think. Well, I, I funnily one follows the other, so <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So um, yeah, uh, derail my train of thought there, but um, for a oh, good, sorry, for, for, I a good, for a good reason. Yeah, you were talking reason. about like the expense of PC gaming. No, that's fine. I mean, I was basically done with that point. But um, you mentioned something really interesting, Matthew, which is well, there's two things actually. First of all, the text size thing. I didn't even think about that until, was it Lucy, the developer of uh, One Night Stand, said that on Twitter? That, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was a really good point about um, about that. But also, uh, the Nintendo ethos was lateral thinking with withered hardware or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And so it's true that if you are presenting your console as a kind of powerhouse, there seem, do seem to be limits to how successful that approach has been when you look at the PS Vita and PSP, which were definitely both trying to do that. Like um, the Vita yeah. more successfully, I think, in terms of the you know being able to do the sort of spectacle of um, modern games. The games on there did almost look PS3 quality, to be fair. Mm. But um, yeah, I don't know if it necessarily will always work. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, 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 I've seen a couple of people say like PC gaming. They used to love it, and you know they've got a substantial Steam library, but like the the tech costs ran away from them, and they're literally cut off from this library they kind of own. And the idea of this as a jumping back in point, you know, because if you're talking about games, you know, you say you've got games you you bought ten years ago, you know, they will absolutely be fine on this this hardware you would imagine. And so the idea you can kind of pick up where you left off for, for you know much cheaper than you could buy any PC. That's that's pretty good. That's that's pretty smart as well. So th- there's definitely like a lot of plus points for lots of like different niches. It's it's just interesting to see whether it you know it it, it can bust out into like the mainstream. Um, not that it needs to, but you know you do see people throwing it up against the switch, and that's you know that's that's quite a a kind of clash of the titans, you know. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah, I agree. Well, that seems like a good transition point, Matthew. I feel like we've covered the Steam Deck pretty um, comprehensively there and any kind of pre-release thoughts. I mean, mm. when we get our hands on one I'm down the line, assuming that actually happens, we'll um, we'll talk about it some more, I'm sure. But, oh, I'm um, sure we'll get a, a review unit oh, the yeah. size of this podcast. Oh, yeah, I bet. Like, uh, wow, Valve will think, wow, what are we going to do without these 2,000 listeners? <laughs> get- <laughs> but they you. are so informed, these listeners. They're <laughs> tastemakers. <laughs> that is basically what I've, um, I've told the publishers who I've emailed for review code. It's like, hey, <laughs> we're tiny but mighty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I wanted to talk about Nintendo then, because obviously in the, in the weeks preceding this, the Nintendo Switch OLED has been announced... You mentioned the Nintendo Switch Pro rumours earlier and the idea that Nintendo was making a beefier 4K console to um, not succeed the Switch, but maybe run some games slightly slightly better and all this stuff. Mm. And those rumours really did turn out to be a bust, even though they were from some quite um, reputable outlets. And uh, yeah, so it meant that there was a lot of disappointment around this announcement, Matthew, but it didn't seem to be anything that Nintendo itself had said that created that disappointment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is just this is where those kind of rumors backfire. Normally, people are pretty pretty good for this stuff, and they don't tend to put it out there unless they're pretty sure. Um, yeah, I was surprised. I mean, like, sort of so surprised that you know, I I kind of I feel certain that this 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 Switch Pro has to exist in some form. Like, it has to be a thing down the line. But here in the here and now, obviously not. And it's a shame, really, because I I feel like what what the OLE, OLED switch is is like a, a very like minor bump in the road in the grand scheme of things but it feels like you know people feel wounded because it isn't this thing that someone else has promised them which is kind of a a bit rough for Nintendo. <laughs> Do you think this hues quite closely to how Nintendo has generally done mid cycle upgrades Matthew? Yeah, I mean, it's it's what's interesting about the Switch is obviously it's you know it's Nintendo's home console and handheld teams united. This is what they came up with, and you know th- th- those are two strands of Nintendo with very different history in terms of how they treat their respective hardware. You know, we can expect a lot of updates from the handheld teams. They always have, you know, both the DS and the 3DS. You know, I think they each have basically five iterations apiece where Nintendo's, like, home consoles, not as much. Like, you you know, you arguably get less iteration and tweaks than you even got with PlayStation and, and Xbox. So, yeah, it, it's interesting to see, like, how one informs the other if we were ever going to see, like, more regular updates to switch you know were they going to treat it like a ds um like we've obviously had the switch uh light which you know is that's kind of classic nintendo slightly cheaper slightly less functionality that makes sense this like feels it's 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 not quite substantial enough to be put in with like your ds xls and your 3ds xls which is kind of where my brain wants to slot it because it's sort of same hardware bigger screen you know, it's a very, very simple kind of nuts and bolts increase. You know, a few little quality of life improvements like the stand on the back, which is quite hard to get excited about. <laughs> I don't know how you <laughs> feel about the stand. There was a um, lot. There's a weirdly large amount of talk about the kickstand. Thinking, well, that's because there's so little going on with this. You have to you have to hold on to something, right? <laughs> and you're like, well, that's different. <laughs> yeah, in many ways, I think this is a good example of like um, how the news cycle works in the pandemic of. We all yeah. need something to focus our attentions onto. 
And then when whatever it is, good or bad, we have to aggressively focus in on every granular element of it, even if it's not interesting and completely pointless. Yeah, and, um, it's yeah. it's it's so unfortunate, really, because I think some of the changes they have made are things which are of like then they're like of zero interest to how I use it. So, you know, I play my switch with headphones. So improving the speakers on the thing doesn't make a job difference the stand i don't ever play it in the stand position anyway doesn't make a job difference you know like i basically use my switch like a switch light you know is, is the truth of the matter so yeah all that stuff it's you know hard to kind of put myself in the mindset of you know do people play it like that i thought it was just in the adverts i have played it like that a couple of times in brighton when i took the um i took it out to like um, a pub and played Mario Kart with my partner just sat at like a table and that actually didn't seem to that was quite pleasant but um, okay. I, I can't see myself doing it again anytime soon it was it felt like a, a novel thing like we were deeply in the, into Mario Kart for that one holiday and then that was it you know yeah in, in the COVID age the idea of like putting expensive stuff I own on public services just like it's a no-no yeah well, I still can't even imagine being in a pub, to be honest. I don't think I'm going to do that for another year, probably. So, um, yeah, uh, so that itself is a weird thing. But, um, yeah, I think I agree with you, Matthew. It was just, it, it just, it's kind of an also-ran announcement a little bit. I'd, I'd be keen to see what the screen looks like, but I can't yeah, get overly I mean, excited either way. Like, I have pre-ordered one, madly, because I've been playing it so much in handheld. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I want to see that. And And it's probably just the old Nintendo sort of nerd in me you know uh, you know i just i, I want to own the, the shiny thing i want to be able to have an opinion on it i want to be able to sort of spout forth on it on this podcast mm. um so yeah I, I have pre-ordered one mate i don't know if i'll if my nerve will hold up <laughs> um as we get closer to release but we shall see mm, okay yeah good stuff so then matthew i've just got a couple more things to ask about on the handheld console front then so um I was curious if you think there's more of an appetite for handheld consoles now than there was, say, 10 years ago when the um, there was a lot of commentary on the PS Vita and the 3DS being a bit out of time because smartphones are obviously like fairly new at that point, or at least like in the rise of smartphone gaming was kind of meteoric. So that mm. was kind of hanging over them. But now we've got like stuff like Playdate and there's the Switch, which is kind of a hybrid console. But, you know, like you say, I play it in handheld as well. And um, I was curious if you think maybe the tide has turned on this a little bit and people are maybe more into the idea of a dedicated handheld than they were a decade ago. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe there's like a nostalgia for it. You know, the Playdate thing is is a bit like sort of vinyl coming back. It's like a sort of a a kind of cute hipstery thing rather than, uh, you know, a substantial kind of change in in appetite, I'd say. Um, Yeah, I think the fact that these things like are a hybrid now that you know that they can deliver the stuff you want on the tv but then they can also host these smaller things which maybe make more sense in a portable is is really neat i mean it, it it's just i f- i do feel like we get the best of both worlds you know like I, I don't feel like like we're massively missing something i mean people may disagree i, I don't feel like there's a big hole, you know, in like say Nintendo's catalogue where I feel like, oh, they used to make X, but they wouldn't anymore. You know, take Ace Attorney. You know, that is a game that would traditionally live on handheld, and in my head is always a handheld game, and it lives quite happily as a handheld game on this handheld, and it still feels weird to me to play it on a big TV. So the fact that we have machines that sort of do both, you know, I almost feel like 
we don't have to make that call anymore you know and i don't really see the idea of hardware that asks you to make that call between just handheld or just thing you know just a tv experience or big screen experience or whatever i can't really see people kind of going for that again okay interesting so you don't think a handheld by itself from nintendo would do do the numbers i just well i i imagine it would it would you know do the numbers i just don't see them doing it like i feel like they've they've actually hit on this thing that they wanted to do for a long time i think they the fact that they had these two separate teams and then they made a big conscious decision to like merge them together Hmm. um i don't know maybe maybe i'm being a bit unfair to the handheld stuff and like you know maybe there is a tier of games it's harder to imagine nintendo making because they feel like things have to also work on the tv so like would they make a hotel dusk now or would they make a well they would make a Picross. there's Picross on the switch yeah i think that stands i'm sorry i'm going around the house <laughs> a bit working out exactly what i think but i've come to the conclusion that i think it is sound <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think there's a few games on switch that look like they would have been 3ds games a few years ago so i think something like luigi's mansion 3 probably fits that bill and mm. as does um, Metroid Dread, you know, more so, I would say, that because that, yeah. like, that looks like it could have been, you know, a, 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 come out like a year after Samus Returns or something. But that's, you, but you can sort of scale your experience, you know, if, if something isn't like necessarily working on the big screen, you have the option to scale it down into a handheld experience where it suddenly feels maybe more premium, weirdly. So it's quite nifty. Yeah, I think if Nintendo had made a dedicated handheld this generation as well as a home console, it would probably have done about as well as the 3DS did. Like, um, it would find an audience based on sort of the quality of the games, so, but it wouldn't be like the monster hit that the DS was back in yeah. a kind of like pre-smartphone era. Um, and it does, it does split their like creative teams as well. Like, just having to have people make basically two tiers of games for different machines you know where having everyone in pumping everything into this thing means you do get you know the embarrassment of riches of you know when switches is, is really flying it's you know maybe not right now but for a long time it felt like you were getting hit after hit after hit and that speaks to a nintendo which only has one thing to worry about which so I'm, I'm, i don't really miss that like i'm i'm not i'm not sad at the idea of like you know their best brains aren't aren't kind of having to split their attention anymore mm. yeah i think we're due as well another wave of nintendo switch software in the next kind of like couple of years yeah so, um, yeah hopefully that'll materialize there's, there's got to be a pro there's got to be a pro i believe that because you know breath of the wild one was already pushing the switch in places you know there was there was some stuff in and i can't see them not wanting to I don't know. I just want a version. I just want to. I just want to play a version of Breath of the Wild that absolutely sings. Um, and I feel like a Switch Pro is the only way of achieving it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. or you emulate the original on um, PC via uh, CMU. Oh, <laughs> they're so funny seeing people online talk about the Steam Deck, where they're like, "Well, it does all the Switch because you can just emulate it." And you're like, "Yeah, I mean that isn't technically like fine. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's not like that's like being sold in the shops. It's not like that. That that you know." That isn't, like, legit. You do understand this, right? But they talk about it like it's a back-of-the-box feature of, like, well, it can play everything because you can just get everything off the internet. And you're like, yeah, but also no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Because I'm a narc. (laughs) 
Yeah, so you know, if if I ever if Matthew ever sees me emulating a game, he'll have to turn me over to the cops. That's just going to happen. <laughs> That's um, why you shouldn't have told me about that naughty device. Well, yeah, yeah, maybe I have <laughs> to trim all the sexy box or whatever you were calling it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the other point I was going to make here is that I think um, mobile gaming. I mean, this is <laughs> weirdly something people are talking about the day that we're recording this is. Um, one publisher's approach to releasing a mobile game based on a popular series that has generated like a lot of awful takes. I actually weighed in and then had to delete my takes. I thought, no, I don't I don't weigh in on discourses anymore. I'm over this. I move on. <laughs> um but it was over that XCOM thing in a Kotaku article. And I saw I, just... I am discourse man no more. <laughs> yeah, I'm sworn off of that now. And it made me think about how maybe that's a sign of the problem and maybe the reason that a, a dedicated handheld can still do so well is because people, you know, want a full fat experience on that on that um, on that form factor. You know, and I think you know, Nintendo have always been very careful to, like, with whatever they're doing, to try and sort of not let it kind of not let lose control or let go of the leash on what's happening on their platform, and it, it fundamentally sort of serves them well. And I'd say, like, you know, the the and maybe this isn't exactly the point, but. You know, I do go on the, even the Switch store, and it's a little bit like hair raising some of the stuff going on on there mm. in terms of like what people are selling and how people can kind of manipulate the store by basically selling their games for five p. <laughs> um, it's it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty wild place as far as a Nintendo platform goes. That's true. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know. But like mobile mobile gaming, like I never really got into it, and it is it's it's sort of super weird seeing what kind of is and isn't on there like i've been playing um one of the ace attorney game i bought one of the ace attorney games on apple it's like a full price retail release but i bought it just because i was interested to see kind of like what that experience was like and how it ran and how like how they treated it as a port and like i i it like completely passed me by that there are companies like capcom releasing like 20 quid ports on apple and what that means and how they behave and what they look like um so that's how out of the loop i was i was surprised to see them on there um Mm. so yeah maybe i don't know maybe not the most useful person to ask about the the phone experience (laughs) no it's fine i mean i'm kind of the same i've played plenty of games i i love on mobile uh, for sure like um you know like you say capcom have a big presence on there so does square enix you can play most of final fantasy and dragon quest games on on um your phone so you know there's there are plenty of options out there and yeah you know um let's say games like Gorogoa or like you know the um Simogo games you know there's plenty of good stuff that's come out on mobile phones for sure i think it's just that overall the tidal wave of mega popular stuff i i suppose that i don't um i don't get as into and things that are kind of free to play on mobile do, do just seem a bit hungrier in terms of currency and time and all that stuff and yeah. that seemed baked into the ethos of the games from the start whereas at least with the Switch, the, the Nintendo Switch store, oh my god, it is an absolute fucking public toilet on there and they need to sort it out. <laughs> um, the calculator app on there, I mean, how did that even get through? But yeah, talk about, you know... Well, it's, it's, not just, it's, it's the fact that you go like, there's like a deals tab and you're like, oh, I'll click on that. <laughs> and then it's like, there are 856 deals. And you're like, what? It's going to take me like, legitimately going to take me like 15, 20 minutes to scroll through these. Like the the way it manages and, and the way people play deals to get in the charts mm. is I've, I've read a few things about it because it's 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 
it's um it's pretty open to manipulation so people sell stuff for like 15p and then it becomes like the number one game and gets then the console kind of pushes it out further and you can kind of you can make big money from tiny amounts which feels kind of like the sort of bad old or where like the kind of apple ecosystem kind of goes wrong so i hope nintendo i hope it doesn't just become a total bust because of that yeah, I don't know who's um, looking after the Nintendo seal of quality over there anymore. Is it Waluigi? You know, I just remember there was the very famous GDC speech Iwata gave, which sort of ruffled from feathers at the time about basically the dangers of the Apple model and about like undervaluing your games and the kind of race to the bo- how the race to the bottom is going to kill everyone and everything. Hmm. Um, but he was doing it to a room of like quite like indie minded developers or at the kind of birth of the kind of the 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 real like indie breakout the kind of you know this would be what i don't know 2010 or something and it was seen as like sort of a little bit like old man sort of yells at clouds type deal you know here's nintendo going no don't do it your new way do it our old way where we charge everyone 50 quid for a game and I'd say, actually, in the long run, like, he's definitely right. <laughs> like, Nintendo, or it was right for Nintendo. Like, Nintendo is in a healthy, good place. It has maintained the value of its games. People are still willing and understand the price of Nintendo's games. They're justified. I feel that they're justified in what they charge for them, where, you know, other scenes are just, like, an absolute kind of trash fire, and you basically won't invest in anything because you feel like, well, this is just a, a nightmare place of free games you know why who would be foolish enough to spend any money in this land of free to play um yeah so you know i I, i'd be interested to see see what like a water would make of like the switch store because it doesn't feel true to that vision at all fucking phantom doctrine man that game I always see in the offers tab Phantom Doctrine. It's always like a quid or something. It was like a seven out of ten. It's like a quid from like thirty quid. So it's got like a discount of like ninety seven percent. Yeah, you're like, oh, maybe this is the day I buy Phantom Doctrine. (laughs) Yeah, and there's like loads of very dodgy looking sort of platformer puzzly things in between them, and uh, yeah, they all seem to be from similar types of publishers. And it's all a bit like, oh, yuck. I kind of just need a button that says sales brackets only good games, and then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I just yeah. The, the the annoyingly, they've got some really good visual novels that seem to never come down in price. As in, they're literally like fifty quid forever. But I think that might just be like part of the the anime ecosystem where they know that like you know anim- anime fans have always been ripped off. You know, these are people who are paying twenty quid for like four episodes of Naruto on DVD. So I feel like that kind of market still exists to be kind of gouged so they're still selling like uh i think it's ai the somnium files is like 50 quid forever on switch Mm. which is quite frustrating (laughs) (laughs) i mean the guy who paid 20 pounds for four episodes of naruto is you in 2008 isn't it (laughs) (laughs) yeah me every every like you know two months because that's the (laughs) that was the release schedule for them i bought i i legitimately bought naruto on dvd when i had a job like to this day rich stanton friend of the show still makes fun of me i think like he's tagged me with naruto because he saw me buying naruto like one time Hmm. um but i will forever be a naruto guy oh wow i mean is that really like embarrassing in the context of the people who work in games media i mean (laughs) there are worse things you could be into definitely but i think at the time though it's maybe like 
like the spectrum of what's available in, in in anime maybe wasn't as well known so like you know if you like naruto in 2009 you are much closer to buying like an anime body pillow <laughs> than if like today if you said you like naruto people would know that that's definitely not anime body pillow yeah does that makes sense yeah it does <laughs> which that does explain the three anime body pillows in your um yeah uh, yeah (laughs) i mean in this case he was right to make that assumption (laughs) i am a deviant (laughs) oh there you go you've got your three anime body pillow wives in your attic and i've got my little sexy box next to my bed it's uh well people are learning a lot about us today so yeah cool okay so the last thing i want to ask about uh, matthew was um i was going to ask you something about what do the next five years of handhelds look like but i imagine you like me have no idea really so um no i was gonna <laughs> i was gonna ask so rather than try and be like you know um nostradamus, Shit, nostradamus. Like, <laughs> yeah exactly i thought i'd just ask you a bit about sony do you think sony's missed a trick by not having a handheld in this generation um i've got some thoughts on this but i wanted to hear what you thought th- first yeah i'm like very broad thoughts is that sony are just they've just completely doubled down on the mega blockbuster AAA single player experience and they just then they they don't really operate in any other space is is my take on them at the moment so i i can't really see what handheld would do for them they didn't do the most interesting stuff that happened on sony handhelds was nothing to do with sony as well back then you know arguably it's the indie scene so uh yeah i mean i don't think they will but i also don't think it's any kind of loss <laughs> yeah so i agree with you i think that sony would never have sony would never back a handheld like it does a major console is the problem and when it when it launched the psp and the ps vita it still didn't have the apparatus in terms of number of developers to actually make this stuff i mean if you look at the psp and the vita uh, neither insomniac nor naughty dog ever made a psp or vita game um, naughty dog were working on a jack and daxter game for psp but they offloaded it to work on uncharted which makes sense and right. that just shows where sony's priorities lie and the PS Vita particularly, I think the PSP did have a big backing from Sony and they really tried to make it work. And it did, it sold really well. Um, but the PS Vita didn't sell well and it, they seemed to give on, up on it super quickly and see the PS4 as the horse that they were going to back. And instead it came down to like, you know, indie developers, visual novel makers and Atlas with a Persona port <laughs> to basically yeah. basically not save the console but make it, I don't it's just so beloved amongst, you know, our peers, I would say. Like people, yeah, people yeah. really love I mean, it. I, uh, the one first party exception I'd make from on Vita was uh, Terror Away, which was amazing. That's a really great game that lent into like how interesting and weird the Vita was and its functionality. That's that's like classic bit of Nintendo design, mm. um, which you know, medium medium Oracle man. What a, what a weird old studio in the current <laughs> Sony lineup. Like they're like n- nothing else, you know. I. Yeah. I was sick about this this morning. I was just like, "What that? What are, what are they? What are they doing with Medium Molecule? That is such a interesting, like energy. Like they're clearly backed in a big way. So you know, I don't think we have to like fear for them. But they are like the opposite of everything else they're doing. Crazy, mm. yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, yeah, I I think I agree with you. Terraway was great. There were the the version of Uncharted they did was perfectly fine on Vita. It's not like a yeah. It's yeah. like I it's the worst. It. I think that was my launch game. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was made by Sony Bend, who made Days Gone. It was perfectly fine. Does all the things that Uncharted Uncharted does, basically. 
And um, yeah, you know, it had a good version of Wipeout as well. It had like a raft of first party stuff, a, a, a very short but very, very good looking Killzone game as well. And then they just, yeah, PS4 comes along and it's basically dead to them. So um, mm. yeah, I would. So I was going to propose to you, Matthew, that we do some kind of best PS Vita games episode next year when it turns 10 years old. That might be Yeah, fun. I'd like to do that. I think that would be good. Mm, cool. In which case, then, Matthew, let's take a short break and we're going to come back with a second section where you and I are going to design a gaming handheld. So Ooh, um, nice. Yeah, people can look forward to that. Welcome back to the podcast. So, in this half, we're going to talk about creating a gaming handheld console. So, let me lay out the scenario. Hopefully, you've listened to the... um, game developer draft episode of the back page in order to have a bit of context here because it's kind of a sequel to that a little bit but um basically we've both been tasked with creating our dream handheld console big sammy holdings and matthew castle productions are moving into hardware baby somehow (laughs) matthew castle productions managed to survive its disastrous e3 conference and um it's continuing to thrive. So, I mean, we are we have got ongoing legal proceedings <laughs> with with uh, Randy Newman and his now broken body. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, not to mention the lawsuit from the people in the crowd that day uh, where the car dropped from the ceiling. Oh, uh, so many people were hurt in that stunt. <laughs> but uh you know i enjoyed it from my throne yeah that's i mean it's probably the biggest meme that's emerged from this podcast so far aside from <laughs> aside from the concept of jc's kitchen which has proven very popular um the idea of a meat tent really captured the listeners imaginations <laughs> um so yeah i don't know we've got addition we've each secured additional funding i made some like um dodgy deals behind the scenes that i will later have to uh, testify in some kind of court hearing um, and like, and the testimony will be sealed in some kind of envelope because I've um, turned in a bunch of my collaborators and have gained immunity, which is how legal systems <laughs> nice. work, I believe. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, got quite far into that. Classic one. rat behaviour. <laughs> so yes, basically, what's going to happen is we're going to pitch the idea of a gaming handheld. We've each come up with one. We've got like a title for it, like a launch game, basically a bunch of different stuff. In fact, I'll just read out the categories now that people can kind of look forward to as we go through this so first we had to name the console um secondly we had to uh, decide what sound effect it plays when you turn it on then we had to decide what the handheld console's big gimmick is so you know like the um the two screens of the the 3ds uh, sorry the ds or the 3ds for example that's like an Mm. example or the 3d slider on the 3ds that kind of thing like um some kind of like a nonsensical thing like the back touch screen on the ps vita is probably the dumbest thing that's ever been added to a games (laughs) console um, apart from in Tearaway, where you can use it quite well, I remember. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yes. And then um, we've also got, using the roster of developers that we established in the Game Developer Draft episode, we can each uh, come up with one imaginary launch game to um, to kick off the console with. So that would be quite fun as well. And then um, there's two more categories. You can also emulate the entire library of one console at launch on this handheld to help sell it. So you can pick any any sort of handheld or like home console you want basically just you know you can pick one format you get that entire library it just works on the handheld from the get-go me and matthew each have to pick one of those try not to think too much about the logistics side of this thing it's not actually happening anyway so it's fine um (laughs) and there's finally there's um you can produce one special edition version of the console uh, with a fun decal and some kind of promotional gift to get people excited about buying it and what design do you pick is like the last category so 
Matthew, any general thoughts about this before we get into it? Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite hard to to come up with a kind of a meaningful gimmick, I'd say, or something that would actually benefit it. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, we'll see. <laughs> my my general thought was, I think my ideal handheld console would actually be a nintendo console that's capable of playing every single handheld nintendo format from the game boy to the present like to the switch Mm. like um has like a slot for 3ds games a slot for uh gba cartridges and then yeah play switch games as well i guess i'm talking about like a chunkier switch that has those things built into it and Mm. um maybe at that point it starts to look like homer simpson's car in the form of like a games console but um yeah okay so let's just get into it then matthew so Matthew Castle Productions, what are you going to name your handheld? So, I'm kind of torn between two names. I was thinking of playing on like a classic bit of Nintendo hardware, so I think handhelds, somewhere in my head, I'll always go to Game Boy first. And I think, what happens if the Game Boy grows up? So, it, it grows eventually into the Game Gent, <laughs> which is one potential name, the Game Gent. Okay. Oh. It's an older man. I was going to go with, like, Game Coot, but I thought it was, like, a bit, a bit too negative. That's far too, like, British, like, yeah, magazine but talk. but Game Gent. I was toying with Game Chap, <laughs> but, again, that sounds a bit, I don't know, Game Gent. Um, well, the other thing I was thinking about was something that, like, suggested pockets. And when I think of pockets, I think of pocket lint. And But, like, lint is quite kind of not good. It's not a sexy concept. People, <laughs> people aren't, like, wild, wild about lint. So I tried to make it more sophisticated uh, and add a bit of alliteration with <laughs> with Ludo Lint. Oh, okay. I see. Uh, it's like pocket lint, but you play it. Yeah. Ludo, Ludo I, Lint. I think you're asking for a lot from the, uh, the consumer there. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think if you've seen my show at E3, you'll be <laughs> expecting certain things from me. And I feel like I'm true to those. Oh, amazing. Well, you know, Barack Obama bloody loves it. You know, he can oh, believe imagine it. him saying Ludo Lint. It would, it's I mean, Ludo Lint. I literally I can can't s- imagine it. That's why um, it's even can, more It would sound good, probably only coming from him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I appreciate your, your attempt to do a Barack Obama impression on this podcast. That's not something I it's thought of. It's the Ludo Lint. It sounds a bit more <laughs> like Larry David, I'll be honest. But, um... <laughs> it's uh, the Ludo Lint. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it sounds Italian, which is even more baffling. <laughs> oh, I've been watching too much fucking Sopranos. <laughs> Yeah, it's like um, you can have um, your special edition could be the Paulie Walnuts edition of the um, oh the Ludo Lint. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so I think that's uh, that's pretty funny. I thought when you say so, the Game Boy grows up. It's the Game Man, and I thought he's surely not going to call it that. Um, no, Gent is more sophisticated. I yeah. don't know which of these two names I'm into. <laughs> Ludo Lint's a bit weird, isn't it? It's a I bit strange. Pro- I should probably go with Game Gent. But think, maybe, like, the catchphrase is, like, it's the game, gent, it's Ludolint. It depends... Oh, God. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> that's even more confusing. I mean, are it's you going to have... Game a gent. Are you going like, to have to have, like, 400 words printed on the back of the box explaining the name, I think? Game, gent, people... I think if you called it game, gent, people would see the Game Boy connection. I would hope. Because it would be in a similar font. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, they would in, they would in the like, UK, yeah. It's, like, playable, lint. No, maybe I've, uh, lint is not good. <laughs> well, there's that website, Pocket Lint, isn't there? Like, um, well, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. So What's they, that? It's that about games, isn't it? Uh, phones, I think. 
Phones. Uh, yeah. Pocket lint. As yeah. opposed to what? <laughs> it's just lint. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I've, I, I don't, I'm not that thing. familiar with you the website. You know what? Yeah. Uh, lint's off the table. It's game gent. I like the idea. This entire conversation should be printed as like a letter you get with the, the console to explain why it is well, what is, it is. This is the Iwata Ross discussion in here too. <laughs> yeah. Iwata Ross. So, so uh, what, why Ludo Lint? <laughs> I said, well, I thought it's like lint that you can play. Brackets laughs. Yeah, brackets laughs is like um, the next seven lines, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Uh, okay, so my one, um, Matthew. Obviously, my, my company is called um, Big Sammy Holdings Limited. Oh, yeah. So we're going to call I've it... I've always the... been jealous of that. It's a much better name than Matthew Castle Productions. <laughs> Do you think so? I'm like, I've kind of accumulated Big Sammy as a brand on Twitter, and I, I think like people might start to think I'm more overweight than I am. Like it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not gone that bad, you know. It's just. But Big Sammy sounds more fun. Like the word "big" suggests like fun to me more than the very dry Matthew Castle Productions. Yeah. Matthew Castle Productions sounds like you know one of the sub studio, you know, like the fifth, the fifth studio on a big film. You know, <laughs> when you've had the, the the financing, it's right at the end of the credits. Yeah, Matthew Castle Productions. It's not like a twentieth century fox. I could imagine like um, reading an interview in like Retro Gamer with the you know president of Matthew Castle Productions talking about the fact that like he made an ET. Uh, style game disaster and was like snorting cocaine in like jacuzzis until it all went wrong and has basically like been living in obscurity since then um yeah that's and the maybe calling it like i'd abbreviate it to mcp <laughs> so it would sound a bit more like mysterious yeah less corporate it's a bit more like something that like i don't know uh Otacon would say in metal gear isn't it it's the mcp and then uh, the mcp game gent yeah <laughs> Oh, brackets not Ludo Lint. Um, <laughs> brackets. It's like Ludo Lint, but that is square brackets. But that isn't its name. <laughs> uh, okay, so mine's much simpler by comparison. It's just called the Sammy Micro. I just thought that was quite good. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's that's playing on Big Sammy Sammy Micro. I love it. Yeah, exactly. You know, we could have gone with a uh, small Sammy, but uh, you know, I just thought. What about little Sammy? Uh, nah, I think that sounds like a rap, like a rap artist, or like if I had a doomed career on like the Bournemouth rap scene, I would be called Little Sammy. You know, but you also want to maintain that just in case your company does branch out into the rap. That's true. and needs it again. Not sure how uh, Sega Sammy feels about this, um, but um, you know, again, like I'll just um, dip into my Russian gangster funds to like fight any potential lawsuits. So. Yeah, so then uh, let's go on to category number two then, Matthew. I, I feel like we um, extensively litigated your title there. Great stuff. What, what is it? It says the game gent. We're going with that, right? The game gent, Okay, yeah. so Sammy Micro and the game gent, they're coming in 2022. Let's um, let's continue. So this was a category you added, Matthew. What sound effect does the um, game gent play when you boot it up? I think it should. It, it plays uh, the the sound of a ch- the, the jingle of a chest opening in Zelda. What about, would Nintendo get upset about that, or is that not something that... Uh... Okay, it's that, but it's, like, all off-key. <laughs> <laughs> Played on, like, a Yamaha keyboard, you know? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Well, I did think... I mean, <laughs> my original note was just <laughs> Randy Newman says welcome. <laughs> Why? Uh, Why? Because, again, I get to hang out with Randy Newman. Uh, he's got quite a warm voice. 
Imagine if any of like Sony, Microsoft, or Nintendo built their entire platform on the idea of hanging out with Randy Newman. That's just... <laughs> well, yeah, but this is like my fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. It's not real, so why am I questioning the logic of it? Welcome. Okay. Welcome. Um, I also want. I also thought about Get Ready from Space Harry. Get ready. Oh, you're like, Ooh. That's cool. Yeah, I like that idea. Um, yeah, that is good. That is good. Uh, I've just gone with a nice sound of dolphins splashing and having a good time. <laughs> splashing. Yeah, I, honestly, I struggled with a funny one for this category. So, <laughs> but there is there's a twist to it, right? So, one time out of every hundred thousand times, one of these consoles turns on. You'll hear a man burping, and like it'll become an urban legend about this console that like. You know, I, people will be like, I swear I've heard the Sammy Micro burp. And, like, <laughs> everyone else will be like, nah, that's bullshit. And it'll be, like, one of those sort of, like, game trailers, urban legends unearthed oh, kind of things. Oh, that's nice. You're building an urban legend into your console. Yeah, I don't know why the dolphin's splashing. I thought about different Metal Gear sound effects. I really like the noise that plays before Metal Gear Solid on PS1. I think it's the Police Snorts theme, that, like, uh, that little do, do, do. Do, do, do. You know that one I mean? That noise? Mm-hmm. That'd be quite a nice thing to hear, but you might get sick of that. Basically, any noise that plays, you'll eventually get fucking tired of it. So um... Yeah. I mean, what happens if, like, I don't tell people it's Randy Newman, so it's just a nice voice saying, welcome, and then the urban legend bit is, like, people are like, oh, I think it's, you know, Denzel Washington or whatever, mm. and no one knows except me that it's Randy Newman. Yeah, okay. That's, um... Yeah, Could be fun. Yeah, I like a that. A lot of speculation about who says welcome. I like that. I think the the first of all, though, I think they would all ask, who was there on the day of Matthew Castle Productions' E3 conference? And then, process of elimination, was it Matthew Castle himself? Was it Barack Obama? Or was it Randy Newman? You know? Or Shooter Kubi? <laughs> but then they'd look at it and they'd be like, yeah, but Randy Newman is currently suing Matthew Castle Productions because he hurt himself falling out of that car. <laughs> So, like, would he really agree to do more work? Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Um, I mean, depending on the trial outcome, it's going to be Randy Newman saying welcome. But if if it's sour and things never recover between us, which I would find upsetting, um, it's just him from Space Harris saying, get ready. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say that Barack Obama was your backup to Randy Newman, which would have been amazing in itself. Oh, yeah, that would be good. Okay, we spent enough time with this one then. Um, so... What's your handheld console's big gimmick, Matthew? Well, I, I don't know if this is just completely... Re- <laughs> Mine's stupid as well. It's fine. So I was thinking about a thing which had, like, m- <laughs> modular screens. So you could, it came with five different screens that you took in and out. And they were, like, from different eras of, of like, Nintendo handhelds. I'm leaning quite heavily into Nintendo. So it could play, like authentic versions of different games on it yeah that's quite good i was thinking along similar lines actually um oh not i don't have multiple screens but i thought about different ways you can use the screen to um to play different types of games so uh yeah this ties a little bit into my next to the next category actually but um yeah mine is actually it's quite similar to the switch in terms of like it has detachable controllers but you can mm. reorient the screen and attach the controllers to the side when it's like turned on its side, basically. So, oh, okay. So that you could use, say, let's say you, you know, uh, some like 
twin screen games were to be emulated on this thing then you could it, it could work that way basically and it comes with a stylus and so you can use it like a conventional 16.9 games console or you can kind of use it on its oh. side it's a bit more it's maybe a bit more fiddly not quite as comfortable and um probably a bit too unwieldy for someone like nintendo to make but i like the idea of controllers that can like clip on differently you have games in a different aspect ratio basically that was kind oh, of yeah. uh, kind of my thinking oh, yeah that's nice yeah yeah I, i'd say the floor of mine is you end up with lots of like screens clattering around the whole time <laughs> and also what if you lose one as well well that's it and then you're like uh because i was going to go like one level up and say like which screen you put on like changed the game as you were playing it so like it would like skip like everyone would have to make like five versions of their game so like you could play it as like the modern game with the modern screen but if you put in like a monochrome lcd like sort of you know game boy screen it would have to it would like either unlock like a an older version of it or like the graphics would recalibrate for that machine hmm yeah, okay. Uh, that's. I mean, no developer will go for that, apart from maybe like Hideo Kojima. But he. Well, that's uh, it. It would make a great to, Kojima game. But he belongs to me. Remember, Matthew. I acquired him in. Um, oh yeah. This episode. So uh, yeah. Yeah, but but because I've got this, he's constantly harassing you about it now, being like, "I want to make a game for that," and you wouldn't let him because you know that we're rivals. Yeah, and he'll be like, "If you don't let me do this, I'll walk," and I'll be like, "Ah, fuck." <laughs> oh yes, I've made your life harder. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you've already had me assassinated by Agent 47, if I recall. <laughs> <laughs> Which is something I actually only really realised after I listened back to that episode. It's like, oh, Matthew's actually talking about having me killed in this situation. <laughs> well, it's more like I want you to live forever in fear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, so, yes, that's uh, those are our respective gimmicks. And Matthew's console has five screens that developers have to make different versions of their game for. Um, mm-hmm. They can't just do the same game in different resolution then, Matthew. Well, they, well, they've got different colour palettes and stuff, so it wouldn't make sense, particularly with like that older, like monochrome screen. Would one be um, the um, original Game Boy Advance screen? And you just can't fucking see it under any circumstances. Um, yeah, and it would be, and this is where I was humming and ahhing about it because I was thinking, well, actually, can a you know, can a modern screen play all these older games better? And I was thinking, well, no, this is going to be kind of, it's about a kind of certain texture to these games that it wants to kind of pay homage to. Hmm. Okay, yeah, I mean, I quite like that. But um, yes, just to kind of reiterate, mine is that you can clip the controllers off Switch style, but then you can like reorient the console on its side, then clip those on, and then, um, yeah, mm. it's capable of playing different types of games. has a touchscreen. So uh, I did think of suggesting something a bit sillier and funnier, like um, the back of it gets so hot it can be used to like make toasted cheese sandwiches, but um, <laughs> I just, uh, it didn't seem appropriate. So, yeah. <laughs> that would never get out of R&D. <laughs> no, uh, not even in a company as chaotic as mine, but... Um, yeah, let's move on to the next category then, Matthew. So, number four, um, using your roster of developers as established in the Game Developer Draft episode, you can create one launch game from one studio to kick it off. Uh, what do you go with? Uh, so, I, it's obviously I've got Shutakumi on board. Um, uh, I love the Ace Attorney series as like a definitive handheld series. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to let him off the leash. We're going to do... Uh, it's called Ace Attorney Video Game Justice... And it's basically Phoenix Wright solving cases from across all the different franchises I own. So he's like visiting other game worlds that I own. So he'd be going into like 
uh, Hitman world, and he has to, like, Agent 47's been caught, but this time he hasn't killed the person, so he has to defend Agent 47, or he goes into Forza Horizon world, <laughs> and he has to defend, like, a car against a hit-and-run charge, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Well, so an it's actual car, like a, just a car by itself, not the driver. Yeah, just a car. Mm. Okay, well... Well, that's a world where the people are, you know... Maybe there is a person inside the car, but you can't really ever see them. That's part of the joke. Okay, now it's, it's a good joke. Was there was another, another example you're going to go with there, Matthew? No, that's those are the only examples I've got. <laughs> okay, good. That's uh, following the rule of three of comedy there. Um, uh, all right, then. Uh, uh, in Original Sin, there's been a murder. <laughs> Sorry, I felt like I just completely sandbagged that. <laughs> Oh dear. Well, I enjoyed it anyway. Um, that is cool, actually. I do like the idea of Phoenix Wright solving cases in different video games. And it's like, like Smash yeah. Brothers of like of Matthew Castle Productions, yeah, but with that, Ace Attorney involved. I'm afraid mine is less exciting. I've gone with because um, obviously I bought Rockstar in that. I um, I've decided that we're going to do a version of GTA Chinatown Wars set in Los Santos, so like a top-down GTA, like a modern, sexy version set in um, set in the the. Uh, yeah, the GTA Five setting with a bit of a change in like art style, color palette, like how um, they had cell shading in uh, the in episodes from sorry in um, Chinatown Wars. So we'll do something like Ooh. that, I think, like a top down revival GTA. Um, the only kind of caveat to this is that um, while it's great for on the go play, because some of the devs of GTA Online's like um, in game purchasable cars had to help on the project, um, we literally lost tens of millions of dollars making this because um, oh. there were fewer new cars being added to GTA Online. So um, this is the oh, price, no. price of business. Um, we should start getting a, like a, a dungeon master for these um, these uh, yeah because they're just they're, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're rather, than qu- rather than punishing ourselves for our own <laughs> terrible decision making. Yeah, we need a bit of mediation from someone who's just you know not being. I love the idea of the heads of Rockstar like. We used to have this incredibly slick money-making machine. This guy bought us and has ever since distracted us from that mission. He's completely derailed it. This is also the guy who's, I heard that he made a console that heats up so much that it like burns your fingers on the back of the console. Like This is our leadership that we have to work with. Well, those reports are untrue, and I will, I will sue any outlets into oblivion that report that as um, as such. That was um, that was just one man, and you know he's he's got a prosthetic hand now, and he's living a perfectly normal oh, life. Ev- that's the other thing people really love is giant games publishers that sue journalists. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's it's very endearing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good stuff. So um, yeah. Okay. So the. The next category then, Matthew, is um, you can emulate the entire library of one other console at launch on this handheld to help sell it. Which do you pick? I feel like you've built your console around one idea for this. So what did you go with? Oh, no, I didn't. I was just going to say, well, I was going to say DS, which doesn't make any sense because it's not dual screened machine necessarily. Yeah, but you could clip two screens together, right? And make it work. Oh, yeah, sure. Then DS. (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) Very well thought out, that one. Um, Yeah, Well, I was thinking more of like a dream library for me. DS ticks the most boxes. It's quite, it's sort of agony, really, because there's there's great games that only exist on every platform. But I think the hit rate on DS is a little bit higher. You've just got a bit more to play with. Yeah, so I thought about PS2, and I think that probably is the right choice in terms of volume of games to choose from. But I think that I'm also picking DS. I was only thinking handheld consoles. Uh, I forgot about. The document does say um, one yeah, of the consoles. Yeah, you're right. Oh, sorry, I completely, yeah. No, I'd still say DS, begrudgingly. Yeah, I'd say DS too. This is why I basically made the console so it can reorient, so um, you can basically oh. play DS games on it as well. Um, because that was such a big library, that having access to those would be pretty cool. 
Um, mm. Final category then, Matthew. So you can produce one special edition version of this console, the Game Gent, um, with a fun decal and some kind of promotional gift to get people excited about buying it this holiday season. So what design did you pick? Uh... <laughs> I really sort of struggled with this one because I don't know if just tying it to one of my game things is like like good enough really. I regretted putting this category in because I couldn't think of a funny answer for it. And I thought, oh fuck, why did I put this in if it's just giving me a massive headache? That's not good content, is it? <laughs> yeah, I mean all I could all, all I wrote was da- <laughs> was dairy milk. Um <laughs> like uh <laughs> but I didn't really think it through. Well no but <laughs> Dairy like, milk? Yeah, like purple, like dairy milk. Were you just hungry at the time or something? Yes. <laughs> he just wanted a chocolate I, bar, so he just wrote down dairy milk. Yeah, I was thinking like that, like that kind of purple purple and white colour scheme I quite like. Uh, yeah, it's not a great answer. <laughs> no, you should then, um, let me introduce you to this console called the GameCube, my friend. I think you'll... Um... You'll enjoy it. Oh, maybe that's what I was thinking of. Mm. Yeah, so um, I've gone with like a Hideo Kojima signature edition. Um, it's right. a picture of Mads Mikkelsen on the console signed by Hideo <laughs> Kojima. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be confusing? Yeah, but that's... To have one face and a different name signature. Well, that's the joke, you know. That's um, Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So um, that I'm afraid that's all I came up with. But um... Well, it's better than fucking writing the words dairy milk <laughs> and then not even exploring the idea for a minute. <laughs> that's just like a, a kind of a say what you see sort of um, approach <laughs> to this <laughs> i thought you know what i'll write it and then i'll riff but actually when i got to the riff this heat is just too much <laughs> yeah it is it's hard to be like entertaining on purpose in this heat also um to the listeners who um who are paying attention to the audio quality i mentioned earlier i've closed both windows so now it's like fucking colonel kurtz's compound in my flat at the moment absolutely sweating it plus i'm a local warlord and um yeah. So um yeah, we're done with that then, Matthew. That was um that was a fun exercise. We won't be doing any votes on it because um ultimately there are no winners um with no. a, with that competition. But um yeah, I think that um we will definitely revive the uh the Big Sammy Holdings and Matthew Castle Productions um idea for like future episode ideas. So watch this space. I'm sure they'll come back in some form. <laughs> yeah. Dairy milk. <laughs> Fucking dairy milk. Okay, so <laughs> to see us out of this episode then matthew we've got a few listener questions here so um if you'd like to send some to us you are welcome to it's backpage pod on twitter and backpagegames at gmail.com on uh, if you want to email us a question so thank you very much to those who sent these in so matthew do you want to read out this first one yes hello great as always to hear matthew's passion for heartburn and indigestion on the podcast have you always been a Rennie's guy, or do you ever branch out into Gaviscon? I found supermarket brand antacid tablets to be great, but curious to hear your thoughts as Britain's leading antacid podcast. Yours, Tom Do- Doughty. Doughty. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Rennie's guy through and through. Um, genuinely, I find the Gaviscon tablets. They get stuck in my teeth. They 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 don't break in, it break up into a fine paste as well as Rennie's. So that's why I don't opt for them. Um, and I don't try own brands. I probably should. It'd be cheaper. Um, I do uh, like. I should say for those that are worried that like the Rennie stuff is a bit of a bit. Like it's it's you know it's no. not. I mean <laughs> a little bit. Like I I feel like. It's it's not like a core pillar of my entire personality. 
Yeah, I mean, I can I can vouch for that as someone who's known Matthew for several years. There's more to him than Rennie, you know? Yeah, though I do, like, if you were to name anyone in your friendship group who uses Rennie's, I would hope you would think of me first. Yeah, I feel like he'd be genuinely insulted if I didn't, to be honest. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's other people, but, you know, some people are kind of a bit, bit more kind of uh, secretive about this stuff. Because it feels medical, doesn't it? Well, but, um, it, it feels like you're you're taking like fat guy tablets when you have Rennie. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, hey, listen, I know I know some real some real skinny types who get terrible heartburn as well. Yeah, um, I, I've had it's even I had it as well. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 period of my life where I like I dieted quite heavily just before I got married, um, and like genuinely like. I didn't get heartburn like once in that time, which is probably uh, an indicator of what I've got to do. <laughs> yeah. If the world wanted me to lose weight, they wouldn't have added JC's kitchen to delivery. <laughs> yeah. If I, you know, if I, if I worked half a day and got the same salary, then I'd be in great shape. Trust me. Mm, maybe not. Yeah. I think I just use it to play through like Alan Wake again or whatever. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Well, um, yeah, I used to take something else to my, um, uh, acid reflux and they took off the market because they thought it might like give you some kind of bad side effects and they never put it back on the shelves so um, oh, if I gr- if I grow a third arm in like two years you'll know why that was the reason Wow. okay cool well thank you very much for that question It's um, we get a lot of uh, ready correspondence but it's good to kind of <laughs> knock a bunch of it off at once so <laughs> um, quite a long one here but um, basically like it's a bunch of thoughts in response to the uh, best Zelda games episode from last week so um, I'm just going to fire through them as a kind of like train of thought basically okay excellent pod as always just an email of things to add on the zelda podcast the oracles of games the original release of the oracles games is that as the games released late in the game boy colors life cycle there were shops in the game that only opened if you were playing on the gba there was also a cancelled third game but the project was too grand for capcom i knew that last bit but i don't think i knew that bit about the shops being no um, i didn't know that bit about the shops yeah so um yeah thank you very much for that links awakening the first time we see the weird owl Weird Owl in a Zelda game. You'd obviously see a, a kind of Weird Owl in the... Um, it's an Ocarina of Time as well, isn't it, Matthew? This yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, David Lynch should stream playing this game and be inspired by it to complete the circle. Uh, I feel like um, David Lynch fundamentally doesn't understand games. Like, I feel like if I showed him Deadly Premonition, he just he wouldn't even be able to compute what it is, even though it's so clearly yeah, inspired by Yeah, he might actually stuff. hate you as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know how he feels about people watching films on an iPod. Like, he might just fucking despise it. Um... Twilight Princess, originally created with the same engine as the Wind Waker, despite the very different look, which is why the enemies still have hit sparks when they are hit. Mm-hmm. If released on Switch, will be the Zelda game that has been released for sale, not as a free disc, etc., on every generation since its creation. Hmm. Is that true? Because if Wind Waker gets released too, right, that'll be the same. Oh no, because it was on Wii. Right, okay, yeah, I get, I get what you mean. Um, mm. uh, Twilight Realm feels like Britain in its gloominess. Do you go for that, Matthew? I mean, that doesn't sound like an, a fact as much as an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not a fact, no. That's um, not like a, here's a deep cut from Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> that's like IMDB trivia, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, but, uh, listen, I listen. I appreciate the opinion, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's like if um, uh, you go onto Interstellar on IMDB and it's like, did you know Matthew McConaughey is very handsome? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like well, I mean, do I? I didn't know that. That's uh, blown my mind. <laughs> Okay, so um, Skyward Sword. This just says the smuckest Zelda game ever. Not sure Again, what to make of that. That's an opinion. <laughs> Majora's Mask. You to it, but wrong. <laughs> Majora's Mask. Any game with a hand from a toilet asking for paper is immediately game of the generation. Again, an well, opinion, Matthew. 
Joke's on him for saying Skyward Sword is the smuggest Zelda game ever, because Skyward Sword also has a hand in the toilet asking for toilet paper. That's it. If you're going to come at Matthew Castle, you better not miss. Do you know what I mean? So that is automatically the game of the generation two. That's cool. I think we're being too defensive here, Matthew, and it's just um, some nice thoughts from a a nice listener. um, (laughs) I'll just continue. Uh, Wind Waker. (laughs) Fuck you! Yeah, I fucking had it with your opinions, mate. Don't ever write to us again. Uh, no, I'm only joking. Um, Wind Waker. I knew people who hated the look of this game purely because they wanted more realistic Ocarina again. It was named Zelda by the haters after the cell shading graphics. It's shared by Jet Set Radio. Zelda looked great. These days, if it was announced and shown for the first time, it might have it might have been called In Zelda. What? I don't think so. Um, Zelda is actually quite a nice name for it. I think. Um, I don't know why that was used as an insult. In sure. <laughs> I mean, the people I who think hate it's the just game, someone trying out their lines on us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is this just material for like? Are you doing sta- stand up in like Barnsley or something? Um, okay, cool. So. The Triumph Forks for Triforce is excellent writing. Um, Another opinion there. Breath of the Wild, the most Nintendo game ever made. Keep this incredible podcast going. It just needs a space arc section adding. That's a reference to a previous work of yours. Podcast I used to do, which had a space arc section. Mm. Should we do that, or is that like copyright of you and several? um... I mean, that's that. I feel like that belongs that belongs to uh, that podcast. So. Mm Well, you know. We've got our own in jokes, you know. You've heard. Listen, them on we've this got podcast. our own idea. Who needs space arcs when you've got big sunny holdings? <laughs> That's from Aaron on uh, by a right email. For sharing your thoughts. Yeah, it's apology. Much... I didn't mean to be combative, but yeah. And don't you ever fucking come back here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to read out this next one, Matthew? Yes. Hello, gentlemen. Game gent. Uh, in the dystopian future, Rennies, okay, I see why I'm reading this one, uh, Rennies have been reclassified as an illegal Class A drug. Seems unlikely, but sure. Unable to resist the law of these chalky delights, Matthew is caught in possession of an extra-large 72 tablet pack. That is the the uh, the amount they come in, that's correct. <laughs> Just another statistic in Bath's antacid drug war, he goes on trial where the judge whom is clearly suffering from indigestion or trapped wind, agrees to be lenient. Channeling Phoenix Wright, Matthew manages to negotiate a stunning plea bargain. As part of this deal, he must teach introductory video games reviewing at a local college. This is such a mad scenario. Which two, which two games, one Nintendo, one non-Nintendo, should he use to explain the craft? Thanks, says, says Benji. P.S. Hopefully it gets said enough, but thanks for the time and effort you put into the podcast. It's a great listen every week. So Benji is also the one who sent us the conundrum where I had to go work for Wario if JC's Kitchen was open. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think like um, Benji's specialty, Matthew, is just these kind of like fictional scenarios that we have to kind of resolve. Oh, okay. Mm. He likes, yeah, well, that's that's fair enough. He's yeah. like some evil puppet master. Yeah, it's like Danganronpa. Uh, Isn't that what they do in those games? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sort of. It doesn't make them review video games at a local college. <laughs> and I don't think it has ready in it either. But... I don't think they would have been able to spin three games out of it if that was the case. <laughs> oh, okay then, Matthew. What, what are you going to do about this scenario? Uh, well, I've got to, I've just got to pick the two games, right, to yeah. teach at this college um, so that I can have Rennies, <laughs> apparently. Interesting. Games to review. I mean, like Nintendo games... Like, like generally writing about Mario, I think is is sort of as hard as it gets because it's 
you know, it's it's just all play. It's just writing about play. It's writing about interaction and mechanics. There's no like story stuff. I'm mean, a big bugbear. I think is where people slip up when they're getting into games reviewing. To put my serious hat on for a second, is maybe treating it too much like film or TV reviewing and banging on about stories and characters, which while important, aren't really the be all and end all. So, like, yeah, Super Mario Galaxy is quite a pure pure thing to sort of write about. Uh, writing about good games. I think it's kind of harder than writing about bad games. So that's that's a good test to learn about reviewing games. A non-Nintendo game that can teach... I mean, maybe the thing here is the flip, is to give you something that is very story-heavy and you have to write about it as, uh, you know, not slipping into it just being a film or TV review. Heavy so like rain. The Walking Dead, for example. <laughs> the Walking Dead. I, you know, the Walking Dead, I went with Heavy Rain. but um, Heavy yeah. Rain. Well, yeah, it's interesting. when um, When we recruit staff writers in the past we always ask people to supply a review of something and it's amazing how many people pick a, a telltale game and then just basically submit a film or tv review doesn't ever talk about it as a game and that's always the undoing at that interview state you know they just don't you know get through because of that often so maybe that's just because i've seen that that sort of done so many times and sort of done in a slightly unsatisfying way that yeah, writing about a story-heavy game as a game and just writing about a really pure gamey game, that's that's a pretty good test of your reviewing ability. Mm. Well, there you go. If it, if it ever goes wrong for Matthew Castle Productions, then um, you can go teach at the local um, college, Matthew. I'll, uh... That'd be all right. It'd probably be quite nice. I think they've got quite a nice campus, haven't they? But, or you can get Bath, yes. university up on the hill. Well, there's uh, the students who live here certainly get better accommodation than the uh, working professionals do. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> so they're having a good time. Uh, but yeah, so the uh, next, we've got one final question, Matthew, to see us out here. Thank you very much for the question from Benji, though. That was um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. It was a, a very well drawn scenario. Like, um, yeah, what a, a grim dystopia that I dread, where <laughs> you know Rennie's abandoned, Matt Castle has to go work at a college. I mean, wow. I like the idea that a punishment for crime is a you job. To teach. <laughs> yeah, you get a job, a full time. Like, that isn't really the up- uplifting message that like films have about teaching you know dead poet society isn't about like man it really sucked to be that teacher <laughs> especially that teacher represented himself in the court of law and managed to get a great plea bargain with um <laughs> oh good stuff that was uh yeah wild so last question then um so how do you again my lover and I are looking forward to playing it takes two and I was wondering which games you would recommend to play with significant others our favorite is puzzle strike uh that's from robert august Meyer on um uh, via email so thank you very much robert so matthew i guess like games to share with a partner i think we talked about this a little bit before but is there anything that comes to mind yeah i i really really like the kalimba co-op as a kind of really good working together game um i've never played it with Catherine, but i have played it co-op and had a really good time it's a fun like sort of uh pushes you pushes you to sort of a sort of slightly stressful place but you both you you know you 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 both contribute equally in the end um i don't like co-op games where like one person can sort of hold back and the other person kind of takes care of them which sometimes happens when you're playing with you know partners if they're not as into games um catherine is much better at games than i am so that's never the case um and um giving super mario 3d world a second go after we talked about it back on the pod um we we developed a bit more appreciation for the co-op in it the kind of competitive co-op is quite fun 
yeah, I agree with that. That's like the um, the one that I would probably suggest primarily. People heard me kind of wax about lyrical about that game back when um, we did the Mario episode with Catherine. So, yeah, um, that's, that's kind of what what got us into it. Sorry, I feel like I've st- stolen stolen your good suggestion. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, I actually recommend games that I don't necessarily think you have to play a co-op game with someone to have a good time. I think past the pad is just as good with another person if yeah. it's the right game. So. Me and my partner, because um, Persona 5 is very intensive, we've played that together. So um, we haven't finished it. We're on the, like, the final dungeon, basically, the um, the very last bit of the game. But my partner's kind of burned out on it because she didn't realise, like me, that there's a hard end point to when the relationship stuff, uh, stuff stops. And so we kind of like loads of relationships weren't quite completed in the game and we didn't see all of the story. So she's a little bit bitter about that. And I kind of am too, actually, because I, I think the game is a, could do a better job of telling you when that's going to happen. But um, right, right. But nonetheless, I'm, we still very much enjoyed it. And because that's such an intensive, long game, it's a good game for passing the pad. And like, obviously, the characters are very well developed. So you can sort of talk about them as you go, like you're watching a TV show. So I thought that was a really good pass the pad experience. We're currently doing pass the pad on Resi Village, actually. I've completed that, obviously. But um that's good because you know if there's a bit that's too hard or too scary or whatever you know we can just trade the pad and stuff so um yeah it's uh mm. that's that I, past the pad stuff I, I like a lot we're gonna do ratchet and clank after this as well because that'll be a nice and chill breather after playing resi so yeah those mm. are kind of my choices i'm not a big i'm not a massive co-op games guy i mean i played loads and loads of halo but i've never played it with a partner so um yeah yeah so, Matthew, we're done for the week. So, that was a slightly shorter episode. We had a little break there. But next week, we've got another very beefy one coming up, right? It's the best Ace Attorney game. So, that's very much a Matt Castle-driven episode like the Zelda one. So, um, you yeah, excited sorry. about Sorry, if you're sick, sick of my voice, apologies. You're going to hear a, a bit more. <laughs> oh, that's not true. I mean, in that one, we'll, it'll probably be like the Zelda one. It'll, it'll be the most comprehensive, you know, possible podcast we can make around oh, the Ace Attorney yeah, games. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm really looking forward to it. I've been replaying the games. Um i've been like reading a lot around it just to sort of remind myself some stuff i'm I'm on a huge uh ace attorney um kick at the moment um also uh we use that episode to kind of review the great ace attorney as well and i can talk talk about that but i promise i will not spoil any of it Mm -hmm. so you get lots of thoughts about a new game and then yeah lots of um thoughts about some old ones too so it should be um it should be a good time i've still got to do a bit of reading around that series before we um before we do that one matthew so well uh i'll get on that before we record so Mm. thank you very much for listening we'll be back next week um if you'd like to follow us on twitter we're backpage pod on twitter if you'd like to email us a question backpagegames at gmail.com and at the same time matthew where can people can find you on twitter yeah, I am Mr. Basil underscore Pesto. I'm Samuel W. Roberts on Twitter. If you'd leave, like to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or uh, the platform of your choice, that'd be greatly appreciated. A couple yeah. more people have been adding those, and that really helps us find a bunch more people, lets us grow, lets our little community of people expand, which we really appreciate. But uh, we very much appreciate your support regardless. And um, thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back next week. Bye for now. Bye for now.